Hi, welcome to the Meg Pearson podcast, Fertile at 40. I'm your host, Meg Pearson. After many health complications due to alcohol addiction and an eating disorder that ruled my world for close to 20 years, I was told I would never have children. At 38, I naturally and surprisingly fell pregnant and the transition from maiden to mother was wrought with love, grief, excitement, and healing. Becoming a mama was about far more than just soothing stitches and learning how to care for a tiny human. It was, and still is, a relearning of who I am and what I am truly capable of. After over two challenging years trying to conceive a second baby since, I gratefully and naturally conceived my second child just as I turned 41, after three losses and heaps of heartache. I am a doula in training, holistic chef, teacher of yoga, and a childbirth educator, and I am here to share my story because I know it's not just mine. Join me each week for unbiased convos with a no-bullshit approach to faith, infertility, conscious conception, and connected pregnancy, with birth stories, expert interviews, and personal anecdotes to help tell the story of creation. Welcome. Now let's do this. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Fertile at 40 podcast. My name is Meg. I am your host. So excited to have you here, as always. At the time of this episode going live, I will be just about two weeks from my due date or guest date for my little baby boy, Ozzy, who is set to arrive on the 23rd of July. I am recording this in advance, preparing, preparationing, preparing to take it easy for the last few weeks before the baby is born. So maybe he's already here. Who knows? Maybe he's already decided to come early, but at the time of this recording, the expected due date was July 23rd, and here we are, July 7th. This episode's going live, and I'm so excited because I have an amazing guest on the show today. Teresa Liu is a tiny but mighty physiotherapist out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Oh my gosh, she's such a sweet soul. We chatted before I hit record and for so long after, and I felt like I've known this this incredible young lady for for ages. She's just an amazing little firecracker. Um, But she uses soft tissue-based hands-on therapies and a collaborative approach to support and empower her patients through recovery. Teresa has experience assessing and treating a broad range of clients from pediatrics to geriatrics, but she developed a true passion for working in women's health and now focuses on helping pregnant and postpartum persons improve their pelvic floor health. So on today's episode which I'm going to get into in a moment. We talk about a lot of things. We talk about why pelvic floor is so important to consider when planning to become pregnant. We talk about why she thinks so many people dismiss this area of pre and postnatal care, what she sees common while treating second time mamas like myself who didn't consider pelvic floor personal therapy the first time around, what women of advanced maternal age, aka fertile at 40, can do to support their pelvic floor health in pregnancy and postpartum. Advanced maternal age is actually 35 and up, but anyways, I digress. I hate it. I hate that term. And she also talks about what is common but not normal when it comes to pelvic floor health. So this conversation is a really important one. I encourage everyone to have a listen, even my male listeners out there. She's got some some tidbits for you as well. So without further ado, I'm going to get into the episode. Here is my conversation with Teresa Liu. 
One last thing before we get into the conversation, I want to remind you that this podcast provides general information and discussion about natural medicine, health, pregnancy, and childbirth-related subjects. The content here should not be taken as medical advice, and the content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult with your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Now, on with the show. Hello, Teresa. Welcome to Fertile at 40 podcast. Hey, Meg. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. As I was just saying before I hit record, you're the first person that I've had um, had on the show to be talking about this particular area of women's health. And so um, let's get right into the conversation. But before we talk about all things pelvic floor and you know, physiotherapy. Let's just find out a little bit more about you, Teresa. Tell us about you and, and where you come from. Toot your horn a little bit. Okay. <laughs> My name is Teresa. I'm a physio registered physiotherapist um, based out of Toronto, Ontario. So I specialize in pelvic health treatment and assessment, and I work at a clinic called Wellby Family Wellness, and it's in Leslieville, Toronto. Um, a large part of my practice is in pelvic health, where I work very closely with patients to really understand and treat their pelvic floor dysfunctions. Um, pregnant or not, persons with vaginas or penises, I help and see them all. And yeah. Amazing. And you have you have run the, the, the spectrum in your work over the years. You've been working with pediatrics to geriatrics, but this is an area that you're really most interested in, it seems, in, in the woman's health. So what really, what got you into this specific space of working with pelvic, pelvic health, pelvic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tongue twister for sure. Um, it started off with curiosity mostly, like, no, I'm not pregnant or never have, and I've never been, but simply just having conversations with my friends and family and asking ourselves like, wait, is this normal to feel this way down there? Or why is the pap test the worst thing in the whole entire world? Or, you know, watching a labor scene in a movie of someone with their feet up in stirrups, screaming in horror and asking ourselves like, oh my God, is this what we have to look forward to? And, you know, like in my schooling, pelvic health was like a lecture or two, or maybe a few labs where we had some guest physios come in to speak to us about it. And it wasn't really until like after grad school that I started understanding and learning what my role as a physiotherapist was in the pelvic health world. And I started being able to answer my own questions about my own pelvic health. And then I just became obsessed with learning and sharing everything that I've learned with my friends and family. And I was like, I'm going to get into this because so many people don't know what we should know. Yeah. And so many people don't know what's normal and what's not when it comes to pelvic floor health, right? That's totally. Another, another big thing. Yeah. And, and from you know, from my point of view, I feel like, okay, if I have pain in my back or pain in my knee or pain in my foot, that's one thing, but walking around incontinent, walking around with prolapsed organs, like that's far worse (laughs) as far as I'm concerned. Right. I totally agree. But again, it's one of those things that is out of sight, out of mind, right? Like it's so much easier to have a knee surgery and be able to see that scar every single day. You're taking steps and you're like, wow, I can really see my knee. I can focus on what that looks like. But you know, your pelvic floor is within your pelvis. You don't see it. Its functions are automatic. You're not supposed to think about it all of the time. So it's really easy not to be aware of where it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love that you right from the get go, you've mentioned that, you know, it's important for men, for men as well, because that's, 
I mean, that's a whole other conversation that needs to be had. Um, obviously, yes. with, with the focus of our podcast, we are we are focusing on 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 maternal health, on on mm-hmm. you know getting preparing to get pregnant, conception, postpartum, and all of that. But um, mm-hmm. yes, definitely definitely something for all the, the male listeners. I know we have a few out there. You know, something to 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 definitely be more curious about when it comes to your health. Now, totally. why is and I know we've talked, you know, we've already touched on this, but why is pelvic floor health so important for anyone that's thinking about getting pregnant, trying to conceive? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a great question because my bias answer is going to be that it should be something, your pelvic health should be something that you're always checking in on. And it might be a little bit more important um, when you're pregnant and after. If we're talking specifically about, you know, planning to become pregnant, there's not a lot of research, at least that I'm aware of, to kind of say that pelvic floor dysfunctions are associated or related to infertility, let's say. There are, you know, definitely pelvic health dysfunctions and conditions related to um, sexual function. For instance, dyspareunia, which is painful vaginal penetration without any other diseases or um, vaginismus or vulvodynia. So just kind of vulvar discomfort that could indirectly um, impact, you know, difficulties to conceive naturally because of pain. But all of those are conditions that, you know, you can work with your pelvic health therapist um, on getting through, but in terms of really saying, oh, you have a prolapse or you have a certain pelvic health dysfunction doesn't necessarily correlate to infertility. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And then, and I didn't even think I had my first daughter, you know, two and a half, almost three years ago, I was 38 Mm -hmm. years old. I do yoga. And so part of me was like, ah, my pelvic floor is going to be fine. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I think, I think because I had done, you know, ha- did have yoga practice and I was, you know, doing breath, maybe that did help support me. Um, but I think a lot of people um, go into pregnancy without even a thought about pelvic uh-huh. floor and what it's going to mean for them if they, if, especially if they have a vaginal birth, right. Cause I'm, I'm assuming oh. and correct me if I'm wrong, but your pelvic floor is oft more, it's often more affected by a vaginal birth. Am I correct in that assumption? Yeah. So, um, directly, yes, but even individuals who decide to have a C-section, your pelvic floor is also affected, but that's a whole other podcast in itself. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think kind of going back to what you were saying, like you had that background in yoga, you felt connected to your pelvic floor. And so you're like, Oh, this is going to be fine. I got this. Um, but you're right. Like a lot of, um, people who are pregnant aren't that connected. And so our job as physiotherapists and as pelvic physios is to help you feel connected with your body. And the more we can kind of prepare you mentally, physically, and emotionally through all this education prepartum, then postpartum phase won't feel so strange, you know, like you'll feel more connected to your pelvic floor. And a lot of this is through education. And it's not just about doing more or less Kegels, but making changes to behaviors and habits and that have an effect on your pelvic floor, even if you aren't aware of it. Yeah. And why do you think it is that so many people do dismiss the idea of, of seeing a pelvic floor therapist prenatally. Um, I know a lot of women that are like after the fact, like, oh shit, I need to go, I need totally. to go look at this because stuff ain't right down there. Right. Um, totally. but why do you think, why do you think people dismiss the idea of doing it? Because I know I even reached out locally here where I live uh, a few months back when I first found out I was pregnant, I'm 27 weeks pregnant right now again. And I reached out to my community and said, thank you. And I said, 
are there any pelvic floor specialists out here? And, and the responses I got were what for, (laughs) and, oh, do you have, do you have issues? What do you need looked at? And I was like, no, I'm just doing this preventatively. And people looked at me like I had three eyes, (laughs) you know, like, but why, so why do you think so many people dismiss, dismiss the idea of, of doing this beforehand? I think it's because one is the lack of awareness of what our physical a physiotherapist's role is. So they exactly like you described, many of them think that after birth, I'll have these problems, I'll deal with it then, or it'll kind of go away on its own. So a lot of it, I think, is that they think that whatever they have, it's normal, right? And so a lot of the things that pelvic floor physios, you'll hear them say is that it's common, but not normal. And seeing a pelvic physiotherapist can provide you with a lot of education on preventative measures, exactly like why you were looking out and reaching out to um, a physiotherapist, a pelvic health physiotherapist. And I think a big reason why people dismiss it pre and sometimes postnatally is because again, your pelvic floor, it functions are automatic. It's very closely related to your nervous system. You're not supposed to think about it. And it's very normal not to know about your pelvic floor to think that, Hey, maybe I do need to do some birth prep before going into labor. And again, it's location. It's inside the pelvis. It's out of sight, out of mind. You don't even think about it. You're going to deal with the problems afterwards when you can actually see the incontinence, when you can see and feel that, okay, there's that heaviness in my vagina that I don't like. And also like a little bit of a stigma, right? Like talking about pelvic health isn't something that everybody is comfortable with, especially when the topics of pelvic health are related to things that are embarrassing, like pooing, peeing, sexual dysfunctions and leaking. Like who wants to talk about that? And not everybody is comfortable with that, right? So I think that's another reason why people kind of dismiss this area in pre and postnatal. But a lot of it, I think, is just not knowing what we can do for you guys. Yeah. And so let's let's just say this out loud touching on something that you mentioned here. I was just at a birthday party last weekend where a bunch of us moms were sitting around talking and we had the kids jumping on the trampoline and a bunch of the moms were like, Oh, I could not do this. You know, I wouldn't be able to do this since having a baby. And it's like you said, it's common, but that's not normal, right? We shouldn't be worrying about leaking when we're jumping on a trampoline or doing jumping jacks, you know? So let's, let's talk. Can we, can we touch on that a little bit? It happens, obviously, because it is common that, mm-hmm. right? And maybe, yeah. I don't know, is it normal for that to happen for a certain length of time after postpartum or like, what's, what's the deal with, with, with leaking? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's probably individual, right? Correct. And that's exactly what I was going to say. It depends on the person, to be honest. And, you know, some women will go through pre and postpartum being like, I never leaked. I have really strong pelvic floor. And they're like, that never happens to me. And it's not necessarily, I kind of take that back in terms of me saying a strong pelvic floor. It's not necessarily to say that, you know, with leakage, you have a weak pelvic floor by any means, you'll really have to kind of see a pelvic therapist to get an assessment as to why you're having that leakage. A lot of the times we call that kind of stress incontinence where there's that increased intra-abdominal pressure in your abs. That's putting that downward pressure onto your bladder and your pelvic floor, causing a little bit of that leakage. So common things people will say would be like, oh, every time I sneeze or I cough, if I were to get on that trampoline, I would like my underwear would be soaked. But that's one of these things where it's more you have control of your pelvic floor and you have control over that leakage. And I think seeing a pelvic floor this physiotherapist really helps to kind of bring that awareness based on their assessment on how you have that control. Yeah. And I mean, I, I had 
like many women, you know, early postpartum concerns about that, you know, minor issues with, with leaking. Thank goodness. That is something that has, has not, I don't want to say healed on its own, but something that has definitely shifted for me. And I'm not experiencing that anymore, but big reason why I'm, I am, I have seen a pelvic floor physiotherapist again, and in, in preparation for this birth is because I wanted to check in to be like, Hey, how is, how is, how are things down there? You know? <laughs> totally. um, and, and, and I did get a, a pretty clean bill of health from, from the therapist that I saw. So that felt really good moving into this next birth. But um, what do you, what do you see really common when you're treating second time mamas like myself, who maybe didn't mm-hmm. consider their pelvic floor and, and, and paying more attention to it the first time around? There's a couple of things that come to mind. So I think the first one would be the prevention. So if they're coming to me with their second and third pregnancies, usually not always, but something that's very common is that they might've had a previous birth trauma or an experience during their labor and pregnancy the first time that maybe didn't go as planned. So whether it was that they needed like an assisted delivery with forceps and vacuum, they had tearing, they were pushing for 5,000 hours and they had to have assistance. And so they come to me with either wanting to prevent that from happening again, no pressure, but that's usually the mindset that they have. Um, Or they come to me to help treat kind of those like elevated nervous system um, symptoms that are associated with that traumatic experience, kind of like letting go of the fears and anxieties that are actually acting as like the physical and mental barriers to progressing with their next deliveries. And so I think that's the biggest thing. And what I mean by physical barriers, I mean like their breath holding, increased tone and tension of their pelvic floor and just surrounding the pelvic floor, including their core and things like that. So they need help letting go physically and mentally. And I know you might be thinking a physiotherapist's role is should be like muscles and joints. Why are we talking about breathing and mindfulness? And that's part of, those are the factors that help impact how your muscles and your joints adapt and respond during labor and delivery. So usually if they come see me kind of the second, third time around, it's one of those things where they're like, I don't know if I can do this again. And really coming to me to say, Hey, you can do this. And this is how. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I love that you touched on that because it is, it is, I mean, all of this is so mind body connected. Right. And, and, and I, and I love that you mentioned, you know, like myself, I ended up having to have an assisted birth with my first Mm -hmm. and it was physically a lot more traumatic than I, than it could have been. Otherwise I did have an episiotomy and had a lot of that to heal from. Mm -hmm. Um, which is again, another reason why I, I wanted to check in on, on my body preparing for this second birth. Right. Yeah. Um, and I know that there's probably a lot of women out there that maybe w- would have gone through the same experience as I have and wanted and would rather hide from that and, and not, you know, because it's, yeah. it can be very traumatic and, and violating having stuff happen to you down there that you weren't planning for. And so I bet you a lot of women would, instead of seeking help, they would actually, you know, hold back maybe. Right. Which is not going to be helpful in the end at all, especially because, because one of the things, a lot of people, I think, assume also that if they're leaking, it's because they have weak pelvic floor, but it could, Mm -hmm. there's also a lot of issue, right. If, if women have, if they're too tight, if they're holding on too much, right. 
Totally. And so that's why you'll hear a lot of therapists say, you know, it's not about doing Kegels all of the time. And sometimes it's the opposite. A lot of people have high tone in their pelvic floor. It's too contracted, too strong. And we have to work on releasing that tension and letting go through movement practices like yoga or doing things like mindfulness and breathing. And so all of that kind of has a role. And I like that you addressed kind of going back to the incontinence thing that it's not necessarily because you have that weak pelvic floor that you're leaking. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important to say, because a lot of people listening probably have that assumption. And you, like you said a number of times, you can't know what's going on down there unless you have someone professional, (laughs) check it out and and work with you. So, so important. So is there anything in particular because, uh, you know, Fertile at 40 is the name of the show. And I know a lot of the people that have, yes. that reach out to me and follow me are also coming to motherhood later in life. Is there anything that, oh God, and I hate the term, but women of advanced maternal age I know. <laughs> can do to support their pelvic floor health in, in both, you know, pregnancy and, and in the postpartum phase? Yeah, I mean, I guess, again, the crazy thing about this whole advanced maternal age is that the average age is 35 and up. That was normal. That was what was normally, um, I guess, defined as an advanced maternal age, which is crazy because my average kind of first time pregnant person is 31 to 35, like their first pregnancy. Right. So it's kind of like things are changing. Anyways, that's a whole other topic as well. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Oh my God. We could talk about that for <laughs> Your <hours>. whole podcast. <laughs> but I think the treatment, um, or sorry, the approach to again, pelvic floor physiotherapy is the same that we want to get that same awareness and connection to your pelvic floor prepartum so that you know, postpartum recovery is not so strange. And again, everyone's treatment is individual regardless of their age. So you and I can both have urinary incontinence. We're different ages, but um, there could be a different reason why you have leakage versus me, right? Um, If we're talking specifically about, you know, the older we get, and maybe I would do a little bit more education on like estrogen levels. So estrogen is something that helps make the walls of, for instance, your urethra um, thick. It helps to keep things plumb. And as we get older, these, this declines, right? And after menopause, our tissues become more thin, more pliable, and, you know, it, becomes more um, fragile. And so this can lead to things like vaginal dryness or pain with intercourse. So I would, my approach to seeing somebody with kind of symptoms like this would be to be more careful with my internal exams and kind of liaising with their doctors on maybe there's anything that they can do for their estrogen deficiencies and treatments that way. But regardless, I feel like plus or minus whatever your age is, I feel like my approach to treatment is different is pretty much the same across. Yeah. Okay. Good. Amazing. Now Mm -hmm. one, one last thing before we go, I think a lot of women, including myself, after we give birth, never know when to seek help or, Mm -hmm. you know, when, when is a good time? Cause obviously if you're having a vaginal birth, there's going to be some, there's, there's swelling, there's parts of the inside (laughs) of you that end up on the outside of you to a certain extent. Right. Um, and and we're, and obviously we are, we're, we're bleeding for a long time after that is, do you have any recommendations of, uh, for, for birthing people about when, when to consider maybe visiting a pelvic floor therapist? Should it be something that everyone does? Um, yeah. and, and, and what are your recommendations with that? Yeah, I would say 
So speaking just generally about pelvic floor physiotherapy, whenever you feel ready, whenever the birthing person feels like they are ready to um, leave their house, period, because it's a lot of changes, right? You have to now care for a tiny human. And so whenever you feel ready in terms of speaking to anybody about anything, that's when I would recommend reaching out. In terms of doing something like an internal exam on your first pelvic um, physiotherapy assessment, that would we would recommend typically after six weeks but i'm happy to see anybody through like virtual calls or like virtual appointments or in person to do anything but the internal exams and i think that's a big thing i want to highlight is that you know yes physio pelvic floor physiotherapists are rostered and trained to do internal vaginal and rectal exams um, but that's not something that we have to do every single time and some therapists don't even do them right it's just a good way to assess the strength of your pelvic floor directly however i like to think of it as a tool in my toolbox i treat from head to toe so you know postpartum if you're having some tailbone pain or if you're having some hip or low back pain I'm happy to see you before that six-week period I don't want you to feel like you know for any listeners I have to sit at home and for six weeks until I can see my pelvic floor physio because we can offer a lot of education and I feel like that in itself is treatment that they need oh, so 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 important so mm-hmm. good 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 and important information for people to hear now is there any final words that you would love to put out there before we, before we say goodbye for anyone out there that is maybe like, I don't know, do I need to see a a pelvic floor physiotherapist? What, what are your final words for these listeners? Oh, I think that, you know, again, your pelvic health is something that everybody should be considering. And whether you are pregnant or not, um, pre or postpartum persons with penis or vagina, everyone has a pelvic floor. And so this is something that everybody should be kind of mindful of and just be aware that we, there are therapists, there are people out there who can help you with any kind of, you know, dysfunctions or pain or discomfort that you might be having down there. And it's not just for, you know, people who are planning to have a baby or who have had a baby. Um, it's for anyone with a pelvic floor and that's everyone. I think that's my biggest plug. <laughs> uh, amen. Amen. Now, if anyone, anyone, especially in the Toronto area or anywhere want, wants to reach out, connect with you, how, how can people find you? You're online. I am online. I'm on Instagram at PT by T T E E. I can, I'm sure you'll have some links in mm-hmm. the show notes and then um, you can find me at Wellbe Family Wellness, W-E-L-L-B-E Family Wellness. It's in Leslieville um, in Toronto. Amazing. And I will have a link to that, to their amazing offices. We've had a few of the beautiful and incredible and just absolute wealth of knowledge of practitioners from Wellbe on the show already. So thank you so much for taking the time here today to chat with us. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to kind of, you know, have more conversations about this. I think feel like it's so important. And I think what your podcast is doing is amazing. Thank you for doing it and having this platform out there. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening. Please, if you would be so kind, I would be grateful if you could share, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Please follow the show over on Instagram at Fertile at 40 Podcast and share what you thought about this week's episode. Don't forget to tag us. For more info on today's show, please head on over to the podcast website at meganpearson.ca forward slash podcast. Until next time.